Well, Proverbs chapter 3, today we're going to talk about the heart. And as I thought about Father's Day, I couldn't help but think about my favorite joke that has to do with a dad. Um, This preacher just finished his sermon, and he's in the back of the church saying goodbye to everyone, shaking everyone's hand. And this young boy comes up, shakes his hand, and he says this. He says, Pastor, he says, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. And the pastor said, you're going to give me some money? Why in the world are you going to give me some money? He says, because... My daddy says, you are the poorest preacher we have ever had. (laughs) Now, I hope that's not true today. If it is, just kind of keep it to yourself. I understand, all right? But I love that joke. And I I think about as a parent, you know, before, uh, you know, first, when we first started having children, uh, before our first child was was born, we got so much advice from people. Some really, what I would say, really good advice and some other advice that I would say, this is bad advice. And then you got everything in between. But we received tons of advice as to how we ought to be as parents. And I find myself as a parent giving my kids lots of advice. I try to give them principles to live by, principles that I didn't necessarily live by as a child. I want them to know and to live by. And so I want, I want more for them than what I did for myself. And so I try to keep that in front of them. But what we're going to see according to the word of God today is we need more than ethical principles to be successful in life. According to the word, we need to have a heart that is surrendered to Jesus. We need new hearts and we need the wisdom of God. I love that Proverbs 3 reveals how we can live a life that is fully alive. Proverbs 3 reveals how we can uh, live a life that is surrendered to Jesus in such a way that it affects everything that we do. And also love that Solomon in this text is speaking to his son. So he's giving his son some direction here and teaching him how to live a life that is fully alive in God's wisdom. I can't think of anything better than this than to teach your kids how to live their life in a manner that is pleasing to God, that is following God. Now I think about our children, you know, Zane loves baseball. He's our oldest son. He loves baseball and, and he's, he's just ate up with it. And I want him to be the best baseball player, best version of himself that he can possibly be. Our, our middle daughter, Karis, has caught this love for cross country. She loves to run and I want her to be the best version of herself that she can possibly be when it comes to cross country. River Joy, she's still trying to figure out what she is going to do, but whatever that's going to be, I hope she's the best version of herself. But can I just say more than any of this, I mean, if I think about this being played out to the extreme on this side of heaven, let's say Zane's awesome at baseball and he's going to be a major league superstar, all-star one day, statistically, probably not so, but let's just say that happens. Or let's say Karis, who loves to run, becomes an Olympic runner, and she's elite. Let's just say that happens. As cool as that is, and I'll be their biggest fan, man, that doesn't even come close to what I ought to be prioritizing in their life, and that is showing them what it looks like to follow God. Showing them that your heart is what matters, and I want your heart to be surrendered to Jesus, which is a really good point for all of us to ponder today. When our kids look at us, what do they see, what do, what do they see us prioritizing for them? When they look at us, what do they see us prioritizing for them? Do they see us prioritizing a, a heart for God, cultivating a heart for Jesus, or do they see us prioritizing other things? We're going to look at what Solomon has to say. Proverbs chapter 3, if you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading the word of God. Proverbs 3, 
starting in verse 1. If you're there, we say amen. amen. This won't be too long because as soon as I say amen, I'm uh, heading out of here and going to Ocoee, Tennessee, my son and I, on a mission trip, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for your prayers. But let's walk through the first six verses. This is what God's Word says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, these are not his commandments. These are the commandments that Solomon follows. They're God's commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then perhaps two of the most uh, known verses in the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. Let's walk through these verses. First of all, we see in verses 1 and 2, Solomon encouraging his son to forget not his teaching. So essentially he's saying this, pay attention. Pay attention. You ever said that to anyone before? Like, hey, pay attention. Have you ever noticed someone that has not paid attention to you? I promise you, I can tell my son 12 times in a row to go and do something. He's very respectful. All 12 times he'll say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Five minutes later, y'all, he'll leave the room. He'll come back. He'll say, hey, daddy, what was that you wanted me to do? You know what I mean? Like pay attention. And so I think about what Solomon is saying to his son here. He's saying, hey, don't forget this. Pay attention to what I am saying, because here's the truth. We're all paying attention to something. The question is, are we paying attention to what God has for us or are we paying attention to other things? Now, we know that paying attention to what God has to say can be particularly difficult with the noise of our culture that is turned up so loud. The shimmer of our culture, the lure of our culture can cause us to be deafened to what God has to say. And so we need to turn that noise down and pause for a moment and say, okay, God, what are you trying to say to me today? God, help my heart to be open to what you are trying to say to me today. The, the reality is whatever we are beholding is leading us. So if we are beholding something that is pulling us away from God, then we need to know that we are being led by that. If we are beholding the glory of Christ, then we are being led by him. To keep means to guard your heart. It means to maintain your focus. And we do this with great attentiveness. With great attentiveness, are we, are we focusing on the things of the Lord? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. When the heart is spoken of in the Bible, it's speaking of the very core of who we are. So at your very core, man, where is your heart leading you? Our heart is the first thing to wander from God, but it's also the first thing to come back to God. Where is your heart taking you today? You know, I love verse 2. It says, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you if you'll trust in God and keep his commands. This isn't a promise that we'll live forever on this side of heaven, for we know there are many uh, good young people who, uh, who die relatively young. And we recognize that. But I don't know anyone in this room that does not want to live the rest of their days on this side of heaven in the peace of God. Do you know that regardless of what comes your way, if you would only trust in him, that you can walk in the peace of God? As difficult as this world is, as hard as it is, as trying as it is, 
We can walk in God's peace. That's why we read story after story of what I would deem as hero Christians who in the face of heavy persecution, they face it with contentment and peace in their soul. Why? It's because the peace of God is unmatched, man. Regardless of what you go through in life, if you'll only look to him, if you'll only trust in him, if you'd only put your heart on his ways, man, the peace of God is a promise of God. And this is a beautiful promise. This is an excellent promise. Peace in the soul makes time on the calendar precious. Peace is a gift, and it makes this life quite sweet. I'm grateful for the peace of God. Verses 3 and 4 become interesting. He says in verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. I was thinking about my own dad, and I I thought about two words to describe my dad, strong and tough. Now, I know those words are pretty synonymous, but strong and tough. My my dad, physical stature-wise, man, he was 6'5", 300 pounds growing up, just a strong, tough man. I don't necessarily use those words to identify who he was prior to Christ. You see, when I was 17, my dad gave his life to Jesus. And, and I look at him now as a strong man in the Lord who is tough in the midst of obstacles that life brings. He has found that his strength and peace comes from God. Steadfast love and faithfulness are words that describe God. And steadfast love and faithfulness can be seen in how God interacts with us, but it's also seen in what we are to represent to other people. When people look at you, do they see you as a gossip, someone that's angered, someone that's jealous, someone that's impatient, someone that has a foul mouth, someone who's always bitter or cynical, or do they see you as, man, there's someone who is wearing as a necklace steadfast love and faithfulness. They look like God because they're operating in the way that God would have them to operate. This is what Solomon wants his son to know. He's saying, hey, what you adorn your neck with ought to be the steadfast love of God and the faithfulness of God. When the Lord declares his name to Moses in Exodus 34, this is what he said. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now here's the deal. Many people will look at you, many unbelievers will look at you as a Christian, and they will have an aversion to you because, number one, many people are looking for you to be perfect. And can I just settle your spirit? You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. We are imperfect, and we will be on this side of heaven till the day that we die and meet Jesus in glory. But I think the majority of the world, they're not looking for perfection. I think most folks are looking for authenticity. And I think what's missing, why a lot of people have an aversion to Christianity, is because we are not wearing steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck. We are not genuine in our faith. We are claiming the name of Christ, but our life is not matching it. We have not a desire to honor him in our actions. And so we do put on that necklace of gossip and anger and impatience and jealousy and cynicism. And the list can go on and on and on. And so people have an aversion to Christianity because what they see in Christians doesn't represent God And Charles Spurgeon says, we'll never be able to glorify God as long as we're glorifying ourselves. I I love that one of the greatest apologetics that we have, which is a defense of the faith, is in the manner of which we live our lives. Like, man, what what an excellent apologetic to know that when people look at you, they can see a man or woman who is sold out for Jesus and they can say, hey, I don't know about all these questions that are unanswered, but I do know this, that sister or that brother, they love Jesus, man. 
and I want what they have. They've got something that I need. What an excellent apologetic that we have the opportunity to put on. But in order for us to represent that well, we have to do what Colossians 3 says. Put off the old and put on the new. In order to do this, we need God's wisdom. And I love that when we attain that wisdom, we gain the favor of God. Verse 4 says you'll find favor and good success in both the sight of God and men. This doesn't mean that you're going to have a full bank account and everything's going to go your way. You don't have to be a Christian very long to know that life still has troubles, even as a believer. What it does mean is, man, God's going to be with you. Like, you, you are completely trusting in him. You're surrendered to him. You have enough favor with God and man, just like Joseph. Joseph went through hard times in the Bible. But you know what the Bible says over and over again about Joseph's life? It says, and God was with him. And he found favor. He found favor amongst God and and, and, and men. And I'm grateful for that. It gives me hope because, hey, this is what Solomon's telling his son. If you'll only surrender to God and if you'll wear as a necklace steadfast love and faithfulness, man, you will gain the favor of God. He's going to be with you if you'd only surrender all to him. Not pieces, not parts, not most, not some. The old hymn says, I surrender all. Not some to Jesus, I surrender. Some to him, I freely give. Or most to Jesus, I surrender most to him. No, man, oh, give it all to him. Trust him with your life. In order to do this, we have to trust him. If you want favor as a dad, favor as a husband, favor as a, uh, my, my example, as a pastor, man, I can do this if I surrender all to him. But in order to do that, I have to trust him, which brings us to our last couple of verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own. Understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. The key here is to walk through life in such a way that we are putting our full weight upon God. How many of you know we are tempted to trust in our own understanding? We are tempted to feel like we're the smartest person in the room. I don't need anyone else to lead me. I can figure it out. And that pride gets the best of us and we trust in what we know. We think, no, this situation's too big. God can't do anything about it. Or no, this situation's too small. God doesn't care about something that small. And we trust in our own understanding instead of approaching him with childlike faith, getting in the word, spending time in prayer and approaching Jesus with childlike faith. You know, I've the two girls that we have, they have no problem at three o'clock in the morning coming into our room, which is dark. They sneak in there. I don't know how they get in there without me hearing. And they come to my face, y'all. I promise this close until I wake up. It scares me to death. And I wake up and I'm thinking something's so wrong. My heart is palpating. I'm trying to just gain focus. And here's what they say. I'm hot. <laughs> or, or dad, I'm cold. Or in River Joy's case, it's usually three in the morning. Hey, dad, is it breakfast time, you know? And, and here's what I do. I get up, I'll go up and fix their temperature. I don't feed them at three in the morning. I try to explain a couple more hours and, you know, whatever, get their blanket, whatever we need to do. I put them in bed. You know what? They never even thank me. They don't, they don't care that I had a hard day. I desperately need sleep. They will stand there in my face, shaking me until I wake up and I fix their need. You know, I don't mind it. Here's why. They're my daughters, man. I'm their daddy. And I don't mind that they don't even thank me at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's fine. They're my kids. I, I, I love them. I would literally do anything in the world for them. 
And, you know, we are to approach God with this childlike faith. Do you know that you can go to God just like that, with childlike faith, knowing that whatever your problem is, whatever your plan is, whatever's in front of you, that you can trust him? Do you know that? Do you know that you can just get right up in his face and say, God, I don't have a lot of eloquent words to say, but I know this. I got some things going on in my life. And God, I need you. God, I need you. And we approach him with that, with specifics, and we come before him believing, really believing that he can help us, that he can make our crooked path straight, knowing that my way's not working, my understanding's not good enough. And anytime my will aligns well with your will, that's all glory and praise to you. And anytime it does not align with your will, I'm the one that's wrong, you're the one that's right. And so, God, I trust you as a child, childlike faith. God, I trust you. You know, I, I don't know what your dad experience was growing up. My, my, I just talked to my mom about this recently. My mom's dad wanted nothing to do with her growing up. My, my grandmama had two youngins. She was like 14 and 15 uh, at that age. She had another youngin later on in life. She was married like six times. And my mom's dad, when my mom was born, you know, very, her, her mom, her dad, very young when they had her, he, her whole life wanted nothing to do with her, which in turn meant he wanted nothing to do with me, uh, with my brother. Yeah, I said to my wife just recently, I wonder what it would be like to have a granddaddy. I only had one granddaddy that was around growing up, and he died when I was very, very young. He was an alcoholic. I only saw him with a beer in his hand all the time. I was like, what would it be like to have a godly granddaddy? Which there's a whole story there in my previous church. I shared that, and there was this old man that came up to me who I loved dearly, and he said, you can call me grandpa. I'll call him grandpa to this day. It's pretty cool. But I was talking to my mama about her daddy, and she was talking about how hard it is for a little girl to grow up without her daddy. And that may be some of your, some of your experience in here today. Like, you just have some some things that are tough in your life because the example that your daddy set. But, you know, my mom also talks about, she's a strong woman of God. She talks about how regardless of how all that went down, she has a heavenly father who cares for her. You need to know that about your life too, that you have a heavenly father that cares for you. Not only does he care for you, but we have Christ interceding on our behalf. At the right hand of the father who's interceding for us, Robert Murray McShane says this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Whatever fear you have in this place today, you don't have to have any of those fears. Why? Because hear what he says, distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Even though you may not can hear him in the next room, man, you have a father who loves you. And I know that your life may be messy. I know that you may be going through some difficult things right now. I know life can be challenging and you have some question marks that you just don't have answers to. You, hear me today, you have a father who loves you. And you don't need to miss that today. And all he wants of you is what Solomon wanted of his son. And that's, hey, don't forget my ways. Pay attention, pay attention. Bind steadfast love and faithfulness around your neck. Trust me. Trust me. Don't lean on your own ways. That'll get you in trouble. Trust me. I know it's been tough. Trust me. I will make your pass straight. Are you following the Lord today? Or is your heart causing you to wander? Are you down a rocky path or crooked path? You, you can identify what those roads look like in your life. But my whole intent today is to kind of reel you back. And to let you know, yes, we are prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. But the good news is he loves us enough to have moments like this 
But we can be reminded through Solomon to his son that we can trust him. And we can come back to him and put our full weight upon him. And I love what Tony Evans, Tony Evans is probably my favorite author when it comes to reading about how to be a father. Tony Evans once said this, never underestimate your role as a father. Remember, dads, that your children's view of God will largely be dependent on their view of you. Wow. You know, this is not only applicable to dads, it's applicable to all of us. How many of you know that you have neighbors, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have family members who are looking at your life? And the question we have to ask is, are they seeing Jesus in me? Are they seeing that, man, I... I'm not perfect, but man, God's done something in me. And I wanted to change the way that I operate in my marriage. I wanted to change the way I operate as a parent. I wanted to change the way that I operate ethically at work and all the things because Christ has changed me. Surrender your full heart to him today. And I would say that the call for us, first of all, if you're here and you're a believer in this room, a follower of Jesus, but you can say that, man, I just got some things in my heart right now that aren't where they need to be. I would say, hey, good news is, man, you can, you can surrender. You can repent of that, which is to turn from it, and you can surrender that to Jesus today. It's good news. And you can speak Jesus over your life. Maybe you see some issues in your family. You can speak Jesus over your family's life. But the, the, the goal is to surrender it all to him today. If you're here and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ, and, man, you realize today that there's something missing in your heart. You're not here by mistake. This could be the very best Father's Day you've ever experienced, regardless of your dad or not. Father's Day 2023 perhaps is the day that you said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to trust in him as Savior. I want to, I want to trust in him as Father and know that he's got me. He's got me. Through all the ups and downs, the mountains, the valleys, he's with me. And I'm going to speak Jesus over my life. I'm going to speak Jesus over my family's life and in all the things that come, be it anxiety or pressure or struggle, whatever it may be, I'm going to give it all to him, put my full weight on him because just as a child that goes to their daddy expecting that my daddy's got this, we can go to our father and we can trust fully in him. So give your heart to him, your inner being, your inner core, give your all to him and know that he is good and that he loves you very, very much. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna sing this song together and you respond. I'll be down front, love to pray with anyone, but you respond as the Lord uh, prompts you to respond today. God, thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your goodness towards us. Thank you that we can open your word. God, that we can sing praises unto you. Um, God, that we can just look to you as Father. Um, God, I pray for this time of response that you're glorified in it. And God, that you'll do a work that only you can do in this time. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said,